0: Championship Hello and welcome to Fourth and Five, your Longhorn Nation podcast. I'm your host, Will Bazer, and I'm joined alongside by my man Darius Terrell. As always. You guys listen to the Hornscast channel. It's the Hornscast channel on all your favorite platforms and this is the Longhorn Nation podcast. Y'all, it has been a good weekend for me. It's been a good weekend for most Longhorn fans. Finish my finals and then turn around and beat the living dog crap out of Oklahoma 49 to 0. What a game. What a turnaround for the Longhorns from last year. Just absolute domination. Loved Every single minute of it. Darius, how was your day Saturday?
1: Oh, man. Uh, to, to quote the great uh, it, Brett Bielema, yeah, it was borderline erotic. Borderline <laughs> erotic. Explains. Oh, my God. <laughs> it don't get much that, better than that.
0: Oh, my goodness. I don't. You know, going into the game, you kind of have like a what if we win by by 30 points? Or what if we win like 70, put up so much, so many points on them. Never did I actually think it would happen. Oklahoma has had those games, right, where they just destroy Texas. And Texas has actually never really in this rivalry had a game where they destroyed Oklahoma. They had it twice, once in 2005 and once in 1941, where they won by about 30 points, right? Mm -hmm. So not a thing Texas does in this rivalry. You know, it's it's always the scrappy Texas win and then Oklahoma wins by 450 points. This was Texas's 50-point game and they could have scored more cuz the last pass by the Longhorns was with 5 minutes left in the third quarter.
1: No, they, they took their yeah. foot off
0: the gas which I mean they could.
1: They they had mercy for them that I don't know that I would have had. Um maybe it's the batter Texas uh fan syndrome for myself, but even looking at what was the game last week, West Virginia. Um, I was telling folks, hey, just 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 be ready for a close game. Even with Oklahoma, seeing how terrible they've looked the first two games in the Big Twelve, something still, you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, hey, this is gonna be a ten point ball game. It could swing either way. And, you know, just just tuning in and, and, and seeing the borderline almost I don't know if the words ineptitude. I just I I did not recognize that program across the river. And for the first time, I think I can remember in my lifetime, Will, I think I saw Oklahoma like, kind of quit, man. And um,
0: Oh, my goodness. They actually quit. Yeah they, had, yeah. they had a minute left to drive down the field and make it a not a shutout. Yeah. And they quit.
1: And, and you know, you saw them at the end, you know, throwing in um, uh, Nick Evers. He looked terrified. Um, I just, I, it almost kind of took a little bit away from it. You know, it was a little bit not as satisfying as it maybe should have been because I'm like, you know, like damn, I'll fight back. You know? And I just I'm I'm almost as puzzled. I know I'm nowhere near as puzzled as maybe OU fans are right now, man. But that was that's that's a damaging, damaging loss just for for aesthetic purposes, you know, on top of what's really going on behind the scenes for that program, man.
0: Oh yeah. I still really haven't processed the forty nine point win. I don't think I think I've internalized it. I know it happened. I've celebrated it. I've rubbed it in OU fans' face on Twitter for the past two days now, maybe three days by the time you're listening to this. But I don't think I've internalized the fact that Texas just did that. Don't get me wrong, it is very, very, very satisfying, but it's not as satisfying as it could have been. I think getting that field goal, I really wanted that. I really wanted 50 points. I really wanted a fifty burger. I just uh But otherwise, I guess you're right, you know?
1: No, they could have, they could have named their score. And I guess what the word, you know, you'll hear used is Texas. Sarkin coach showed a lot of, uh, quote unquote class, um, by not, you know, running that score up. And my only, my only deal on that, I know there are people on Texas schedule that if the roles were reversed, they wouldn't hesitate to run it up. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And I just, I don't, I don't, they're not lacking for a killer instinct, of course. It's 45, it's 49 to nothing. I, I just, they showed Let some class. Charles Wright he throw the class. ball. He showed class. He showed restraint. Hey, and it was cool. We'll get into it in a little bit. But no, no, like you said, man, forty nine nothing. That ass got smacked. <laughs> Time to move on to the next one. Iowa State's coming in uh, uh, next weekend, and shit, Oklahoma might go. Owen. They might go. Owen. They might go one and seven or one and eight in conference. They got man,
0: Kansas at home next week, man. and that is Kansas, not an easy game anymore.
1: Kansas came from last year. You remember? <laughs> Yeah. So,
0: hey. Yeah, and they didn't have. Oh, I don't know if they'll have Jalen Daniels this week, but. Nah,
1: they'll find a way, man.
0: I I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas hey, is favored in Norman.
1: Oklahoma rolls out that three down front again. Kansas is going to win that football game. We learned Oh, yeah. Texas fans learned that last year. <laughs> you cannot come in and put in a three down front without having what your guys, the pieces you need. You come into a new program, okay, and come trying to run a three down front. It's It's been. We've seen it repeatedly down in the Big 12. You get your ass kicked. Okay, but for some reason, Oklahoma's thinking they can come with this three-man front in, in Venables' first year back. And they're learning the hard way. They're learning the hard way. They didn't start the season with a three-man front. They switched to it for conference play, and it has, it has bit them in the butt.
0: Hmm, good.
1: <laughs> <All> right. <laughs>
0: but, yeah, I mean, I, let's go a little little deeper. We're, we're going to stick on the big picture here, but what are some specific plays or moments that really stood out to you about where Texas really turned the tide? and really you felt comfortable or you knew this was going to be a different game?
1: Uh, I'm, I, don't, I don't think I had a specific play. I think when I saw Oklahoma um, motion to tight end, the quarterback, that was their first initial answer was to go Wildcat with, with Braden Willis. Um, there's just, there, there was no way they are going to be able to keep up with what Sark does offensively. Um, mm-hmm. with with the arm talent that Quinn Ewers has, there was just no way, you know, with that game plan, especially going to that type of look, you have to play some great defense, right? And defense is the last thing they're playing right now. So as soon as I saw them going wildcat, even though they hit Texas two or three times on some some rounds up the middle, I just there's no way they were gonna be able to keep that up. I knew there was no way they were gonna be able to keep up, you know, and track meet, you know, for what that game was gonna be. I knew they had no chance, man. So pretty early on, I kinda knew it. And again, battered Texas fan for syndrome, you know, like, okay, all right. We're up, you know. You're up twenty eight nothing at halftime. Can we hold it? And just, you know, it just (laughs) it 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 was it was clear as day. Um, that's one of the worst Oklahoma teams I think I've ever seen. And um, oh yeah, no Texas. The game was never ever in doubt. And I really don't know how much we actually learned from it. Will.
0: Thankfully, Texas took advantage of it. Unlike some Oklahoma teams in the past who haven't taken advantage of some of the worst Texas teams. Yeah. But I think for me, one of the moments that really solidified it, or I'll say eight minutes, the middle eight middle eight minutes, the four minutes before half and the four minutes after half that can really determine one, momentum going into half and two, allow you to see what changes the teams make coming out of the half because in college football, right, you get 20 minutes versus the NFL, so you can actually make some changes and actually do some damage by changing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And Texas, you know, what we saw last year going into half, is they were bad in that eight middle eight minutes where they allowed momentum to change going into half and then weren't able to have a good game plan coming out of the half. This was different. Texas was able to not only kill Oklahoma's drives before half, they turned it around, made it another 10-point turnaround, at least 10, 10 to 14-point turnaround, went in, drove the ball, and then got a pick. To just absolutely destroy any momentum Oklahoma might have had, because if you guys remember last year, before going into half, Oklahoma went in. What was that? Was that Caleb Williams who? Well, how long? How long was that run on fourth down? Was that sixty uh, yards? Think it was something like, yeah, like that.
1: 60, 70 yards. Something stupid. Ridiculous,
0: right? And then, and then they came out fired up and had great adjustments coming out of the half. Texas was able to come out of the half this time really make great adjustments to te- to Oklahoma's Wildcat. They try to row-cat Texas, and only Texas can do that, sure. and uh, only for so long. Even before that, in the first half, Texas made some great in-game adjustments, like getting their offense going by speeding up the tempo after their first drive stalled out. When the second drive looked like it was starting to stall out, Steve Sarkeesian upped the tempo of the game not allowing Oklahoma to get themselves set and it really opened up the game for the entire offense and Quinn Ewers. Those kind of in-game adjustments we haven't really seen in the past, but this game, they were quite evident.
1: No, I, I didn't see a single clear adjustment that the Sooners made. And the same could be said for their game against TCU last week. You know, I, I think they have a real problem. And um, mm-hmm. it's just it's crazy because, you know, again, this this type of stuff has been reserved for other other schools in the conference. Right. It's been reserved for other programs nationally, you know, Nebraska, Miami. It might be Oklahoma's turn, man. I think they finally, you know, finally Please made God. a mistake. They were so, so confident this off season. Oh, losing Lincoln Riley was a blessing. Right. <laughs> you know, lose, lose, L- Lincoln Riley, didn't never coach defense. You know, the program behind the scenes, they really had a lot of issues, right? Oh, 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 Dylan Gabriel Dylan Gabriel's a better fit for Jeff Lebby's offense than than Caleb Williams. Uh, Mario Williams wasn't really that good. Can- Theo Ted least, Roof is a decent DC. Yeah, like what What the <laughs> – and they believed it, and it was nonstop. And, you know, I'd be lying now when if I sat here and said, you know, okay, they know Oklahoma. They do seem to figure out a way, right? But I'm just like in my head. I'm like y'all. Y'all can't really believe you're gonna come back, come right in this season, and go 11 and one, and and not miss a beat. And they they really did convince themselves of that. And man, they, they Oklahoma has a lot of looking in the mirror, a lot of reflecting, a lot of almost the word might be rebuilding to do. But the question and the issue for them is going to be how do I rebuild when the kids I'm bringing in the recruits just saw what happened on Saturday and they've seen what's happened for the past two weeks. That number three recruiting class they have, Will, it's going to take some hits, okay? Oh, and, sure. and, and that's going yeah, to benefit... Colton Vasek? Yeah. Guys not even peeling off and going necessarily to Texas, right? But going somewhere else. And Oklahoma's heading into the SEC just like the Longhorns are. But I saw a quotes from recruits um, highly rated recruits over the weekend. Hey, I, I came to the game as an OU recruit because we had to. I walked over to the Texas side. I, I was celebrating with Texas. You know, um, Duncanville. Who was
0: that? that was the wide receiver. That was one Michael Hutch. The, the
1: best, I think he's the best wide receiver in the country. He's got another year left of high school. Um, what, who rivals has ranked as number one player in 2024, Colin Simmons. Um, Duncanville in, oh, I, Texas is back. That win meant a lot. And Texas, if, if, if Texas is who we think they are, you know what we've seen from the defensive line is real. If what we've seen from number three is real, will finally we may be coming out of the, the 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 dark stretch of uh of depression over the last uh, dozen years or so, man. But I'm I'm not I'm not gonna speak too fast on it. I still got a little battered battered syndrome in me. I'm gonna hold off. But mm-hmm. but all things for Texas aside, Oklahoma as a program is reeling right now. And, and, oh, and, and sure. Texas can do nothing but benefit from that.
0: Oh, and this game every year is a an inflection point in mm-hmm. seasons, mm-hmm. right? This is the start of Texas's trouble. This is the start of the six-game losing streak. This was the games that got Tom Herman fired. This is the game that if you win, you have a shot at the Big 12 title, no matter what's going on. Yeah. that's This is the game. Yeah. And Texas absolutely put their stamp on this year the sky's the limit. Now the sky's well, the big 12 championship is the limit, (laughs) but, uh, this is a good point for this program. It is a highly televised game. It is a game where Texas can point to recruits and say, look at this. This is what the offense can look like. This is what the defense can look like. Mm -hmm. If you come here and we did it against our biggest rival, another really big name that recruits. know.
1: yep. And people wanted to make a big deal about it. Oh, both teams are unranked. The same amount of people watched. It <laughs> still mm-hmm. had the same amount of attention as it always gets.
0: Yep. So we'll get more into this OU game, but we've missed quite a few weeks, Darius. You've you've been uh coaching, having a son, uh doing a lot of different things. I've been in the middle of finals and NBA, fall one just ended, fall two starting tomorrow the time I get to put into this podcast right now. I will have some free time. Mm-hmm. But since then, we there's been six games since our last podcast. It's been half a season.
1: <laughs> Damn. Right? I didn't I didn't even realize that, man. Like I said, like you said, I mean, I'm being so caught up and everything. But no, yeah, we're behind. Let's get let's get caught up real quick. Let's get everybody yeah. caught up real quick.
0: So let's let's start talking with the offense here. So Texas without Quinn Ewers. We'll start with that. We'll start, we'll look at the first five games and then we'll look at Oklahoma. And without quin with and without Quinn Ewers, right? Mm-hmm. That we looked at Quinn Ewers with ULM in the first quarter of Alabama. Now, I want to get your thoughts on that Alabama game, Darius. What What are your thoughts on Texas's one point loss to Alabama at home?
1: Uh, I, I mean, I, I hate to you know to sound cliche, but I, I mean, I'm just I got to go by what my eyes and you know what my what my body language you know what my what I feel, what it told me, what it told me. Um, it. Texas. Quentin Ewers plays that game. Texas messes around and beats Oklahoma, beats uh, Alabama by two scores. Will oh, Ewers for sure. was on fire. Alabama looking around like, "Holy crap, what's going on? What's happening?" Right. And this and
0: time, Alabama fans won't even deny it. No, that's, they won't yeah. deny it like they did Colt McCoy. They're like, "Yeah, we would have gotten ran out of that stadium."
1: No, here's the thing, though, Will, because this this is what gives me chills about it, dog. You know, I'm 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 coaching at Desoto while Ewers is coming out, so we see them in the playoffs every year. Okay. I got Shamar Turner, Byron Murphy. We're hitting this dude in the mouth and he is dropping dimes over and over and over and over. He understands how to take some off. He understands when to throw the fastball. He understands arc. He is as talented of a thrower that I've probably ever seen live. And it just it gives me chills because, you know, what you see, same thing with Colin Murray. I'm like, man, this dude is just so short, but he's special. Okay, but it translated to college. It's translated, well, he's having to adapt a little bit to the NFL, but he still is number one pick. He's in the NFL. The same type of clear talent that I felt like I saw from you, was, it's translated to the college game, okay? It's undeniable, and Texas really has a potential number one pick. They That that guy is really on campus. He's really here. He really is everything that we thought he was. And, and keep in mind, he's still technically supposed to be a true freshman.
0: Oh, for sure. Okay,
1: yeah. so when you add in – Texas is going to lose nothing but B. John Robinson and Roshan's leadership. And Roshan. Okay, Come after on, this dude. year.
0: If they're going to miss Roshan Absolutely, Johnson. absolutely. This is a Roshan but, Johnson stand account forever.
1: No, I'm with you. Nothing but respect, man, for what he, you know, quarterback converting. Nothing but respect for Roshan Johnson as a football player and what I the hear about him. heart and soul. What I hear about him off the field, right? But that's your quarterback. And you're getting, you're bringing back pretty much everyone except B. John and Roshan. Like, <laughs> the – there is permission to actually really dream big, and it's not a bunch of a uh, nonsense. Again, for the first time in almost a dozen years, man, and it's just
0: about the offense. You know,
1: yeah, yeah, about the offense, and you just you try not to get too ahead of yourself. But I haven't been this optimistic about what lies ahead for Texas football. I can honestly say, and you know, since I probably since I left as a kid,
0: and for any first time viewers, us being optimistic is brand new, brand new. This is a this is a new feeling for this show after starting with the Charlie Strong era. Brand new, brand new feeling. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, so the, then Quinn Ewers goes down in the Alabama game and Texas fights back. Hudson Card does phenomenal. It does a phenomenal job in relief on a gimpy ankle. And you saw some of the flaws that Texas could have that a great quarterback will... Hide. And we'll go right into that with the offense. You know, the offensive line is fantastic, fantastic in pass protection. According to PFF, Pro Football Focus, 18th in the country in pass protection. And that is with two true freshmen, a redshirt sophomore, a true sophomore, and a redshirt senior who we destroyed over the offseason. We lambasted Flood for not taking a transfer over the past summer.
1: I'm not. I'm not part of that. I'm not part of that. No. Go ahead. No. Come on. Go ahead. No. You can go back. No, run, back. We, have, run back. I can run back any take we audio have on proof. here. Go back. I, I ain't have said, audio I, proof. I have not said a word about Flood not taking a transfer because I knew they promised those freshmen they were going to play them. They weren't going to take him. They took seven. People forget. There's no room Fine. for a transfer.
0: I lambasted Kurt Flood because again, betting on true freshmen is a on the offensive line is not usually what you do, but. Kelvin Banks is a freshman All American so far. Christian Jones has stepped up. Majors has been serviceable. Hayden Connor is a Swiss Army knife. And Cole Hudson, while he does need some work, especially in run blocking, has been coming along. And speaking of run blocking, that is where Texas has been really not great. I could probably put that more eloquently, but Texas right now. Uh, CJ Vogel put out that put out a tweet. Texas is last in the Big 12, according to Pro Football Focus, in run blocking, but first in the run game, which obviously means Bijan Robinson, your all-American running back and Heisman candidate, and Roshan Johnson, who, I mean, he's going to the NFL. Those two guys are doing most of the work. I uh, I watched that UTSA game and Cole Hudson is falling over himself. Hayden Connor is looking a little confused. The only guy really, and even you know, Kelvin Banks is having trouble out there. The only guy who's really good in run protection has been consistent throughout the year has been Christian Jones. That's one space right now that Texas had been and is having a little bit of trouble. Now, Oklahoma just kind of fell apart and they had a three man front. So I don't know about that. But the rest of the season this has been sort of that's been a huge issue is that offensive line in the run blocking pass protection. Phenomenal and much better than I was expecting at all.
1: Oh, for sure. Um, so, just I guess I'll go back. I'll start with um. You mentioned Hudson Card, and I mean anybody that listens to this podcast, anybody that reads uh, the Football Brainiacs, Texas, y'all, y'all. There, there has not been a bigger um, critic of, of Hudson Card probably than myself. You know, and I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Um, Hudson Card clearly busted his ass his offseason. Hudson Card looked like a different guy, um, in a lot of ways this season. Okay, he does not look afraid like I felt like he looked last season. Hudson Card made some some nice throws. Okay, over the what was the three games he played, he was in. Mm-hmm. Okay, Hudson Card made some plays with his legs. Hudson Card got gutted out some football games with a bum ankle. Okay,
0: saved your ass a couple times. Yeah,
1: kudos to Hudson Card. I think Hudson Card. Um, he when he leaves the University of Texas, he won't be viewed as a bust or a disappointment. What he if he if he does not see the field again this season, he he's done a lot for himself. Okay. And and wherever he winds up going, because I do believe he's gonna transfer if he wants to be a starter, okay, they're gonna get a quarterback. That that's 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 really battle tested and has been through some stuff. Okay, and I wish him the very best, you know, moving forward. Um, moving to the offensive line. Um Kelvin Banks, we'll start with Kelvin Banks. Kelvin Banks just like Quentin Ewers appears to be everything that he was that he was, you know, propped up to be. As a true freshman, you don't see true freshmen walk into big time power 5 college football and perform like he's performed, okay? Everything I was told, you know, from guys on the team this summer was about how serious that guy was taking everything, right? And you look at Kelvin Banks, um, you know, knock on wood, he stays healthy. That's going to be your first, you know. That's going to be Texas's first first round offensive lineman since 2002. Um, moving to left guard, Junior Ungalow talked about the run blocking. I think that's the biggest, the biggest loss right now for this offensive line was what Junior Ungalow provided. Not only from a from a seniority standpoint, but he was he he is their he was their best role grader along with Christian Jones. Okay, so they're missing him, but I do believe that the the Hayden Connor has not been a weak spot. Okay, Hayden Connor is a guy that's going to end up being a a three-year starter at Texas, he's fine. Jake Majors has taken a big jump this season. I think I think everybody would agree with that. Jake Majors is locked down at center position. Jake Majors has not been a, a turnstile, okay, like he was last year. He's gotten better, okay? Cole Hudson, he's a true freshman, okay? He's a true freshman. He, he, he has good plays. He has bad plays, okay? But usually when something does break down, it is Hudson, okay? But Cal Flood would not be starting him over guys like DJ Campbell um, that were rated higher if he did not trust him. Okay. You have to live, you know, you're going to live with some growing pains with those guys up front. And then last but not least, Christian Jones has always been, well, if you go back to last year, he's been a, uh, he's had flashes of being a plus player in the run game. Okay. He has God given NFL tools. Okay. Those long arms, that athleticism. He was a soccer player at freaking high school at 300 pounds. Okay. He, He's, he's grown more patient. Okay. Kyle Flood deserves credit. Okay. For the development of all of those guys. Are they perfect? No. Are they good enough for Texas to win the Big 12 this year? I think the answer is yes. At the same time, mm-hmm. we're going to get into it, get into it um, a little bit later here. Um, but we're going to find out because they got some real defensive fronts, you know, that are, that are still left on that schedule. But right now, if this offensive line continues to perform at the level they're performing, they're, it's good enough for Texas to win the Big 12. And I think that's, I don't think. If you told that to anybody prior to this season, we all would take that and be ecstatic about that. So oh, yeah. that's where I'm at with it, and that's where I, I hope to stay after Iowa State, after Oklahoma State, you know, after Baylor. We'll see. But right now, you, you can win what you're getting out of them right now. Oh, and, I'm, and lastly, I'm sorry. People, you mentioned uh, Bijan and Roshan. People love to talk about how Bijan is leading the country, you know, in broken tackles. And I, I'm saying to myself, like, man, that ain't the flex I think y'all think it is. <laughs> right. You turn on some of this tape, this dude is – making two two jump cuts okay in the backfield then breaking two tackles to pick up 4 yards all right it's not the o-line is going to be better next year just just because you know they're going to be older but but no if they can just continue to improve and get just a little bit better each week one less guy Bijan has to make miss again they're going to be good enough for Texas to to accomplish every goal realistic goal that they had heading into this season that is you know again competing for the conference
0: oh yeah my <laughs> My thought is if B. John Robinson can get past or Roshan Johnson can get past this offensive line, then it's going to be a big play. It's if they can get past it. Can they get past that? Then it's a 20, 15 to 20 yard game. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, B. John Robinson. I don't want to get into this right now, but I'm going to go ahead and get into it uh, real fast. And then. Uh, we'll go to defense. And, but.
1: and real quick, too, not to cut you off, Will, but part of it, too, the O-line doing so well in pass pro, you're not having to use those running backs to block. And if you look at the stats, okay, it's Xavier Worthy, it's Jordan Whittington, it's Jatavian Sanders, and then it's it's three running backs. It's Keelan Robinson, mm-hmm. it's Roshan, is Bijan. They're, they're able to be used in the passing game, because I don't have to use that extra body to protect. And that causes problems for the defense. Okay? I, that's one more person to account for. Now I got one guy and now, if Quinn decides to run, Later on, we haven't seen that yet. Nobody's going to be there because <laughs> we have to account for the back. Go ahead. My bad.
0: No, no. But I, I was actually going to say there are three things that I think you can knock on B. John Robinson's game. Everything else is a plus exceptional first round draft pick worthy. But the three things that he lacks are he does not have top end speed yeah. to break away from the secondary. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He just doesn't have that. No. Oh, now it's two things. It used to be three, now it's two. After this year, that's what this was going to. After this year, you know, before, he was not great in pass protection. Actually very bad in it. This year, I know he's not having to do it as much, but he has stepped up. He is now a pretty damn good pass blocker. And the third thing that I really don't like about his game is he has the most annoyingly long shoelaces I have ever seen in a running back. (laughs) He... (laughs) <laughs> he is tripped up. He is shoot. He is. It is a shoestring tackle every single time. He's about to break it for a long run. And it's just like, oh my God, if you can just get your foot past that, it is, you're gone. You're gone. But no, I I think that, but going back to the development of Christian Jones, remember we had Tope Amati on this show uh-huh. and he's like, I love Kyle flood because Kyle flood actually developed me. Yep. And these offensive linemen are in a good, are in good hands. We've always heard, we've heard so many times of offensive of lineman coaches. We've had, what, like 12 and 13 years? I don't know. Some crazy number like that. And they're always, oh, they're all about development and, and whatnot. Oh, this guy has this. And Kyle Flood is actually doing that. He actually did that with Christian Jones. He Christian Jones came in as a project, and he has been turned into an actually NFL-ready lineman. I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to be like, first day. No, but he'll he'll
1: be in somebody's camp for sure. Exactly. For sure.
0: So that is what Ky- uh, Kyle Flood has done. Talking about development, let's look at the defense here because look at what's happened from last year to this year. Everybody was ready, even myself at times was ready to just be done with the Pete Kwiatkowski experience.
1: That three down front, dog.
0: Oh my goodness! But Texas has turned what was one of the historically worst defenses in the nation into a top 15 to 20 defense. According to Pro Football Focus, they're number 11, and according to SP Plus, they are number 16. Those are two of the best statistics, like advanced statistics platforms. Mm. Now there's others, but I think this is due in large part to the emergence of the defensive line, specifically Coburn, Ojimo, Sweat, and Murphy. I mean, that's the entire defensive line. Ovi Agufo and Sorrell, and Jalen Ford. Uh, oh, and probably Jaron Thompson as well. Basically, right up the gut has improved so much. Jalen Ford, we've talked about this, has allowed DeMarvin Overshown to be more of a pursuit guy, while Jalen Flood takes more of the linebacker uh, you know, roles. The, off, the deep of the line is actually showing not only what they're supposed to do, which is clog the middle and allow guys like Jalen Ford and DeMarvin overshone to do what they need to do, but also gone beyond that and looked like what Pete had in the Washington and Ovi Agufo and Baron Sorrell, I I mean, I wasn't. I did not have high expectations for Ovi Agufo, but my Lord, he has surpassed what I thought he could do. So, and then J- Jaron Thompson from missing tackles to being the actual torpedo that he's supposed to be. Uh, I think the emergence of those guys, right, has taken this defense up f- from maybe just being an average to above average to one of the best in the nation.
1: Yeah, Um, just real quick, and I'm about to talk about the D. One more thing with Kyle Flood is Kyle Flood's been a head coach. He's been an offensive oh. coordinator, right, Will? So you probably think that guy is not going to be, you know, the, he understands at this point the grass isn't greener, and mm-hmm. he can get paid like an OC and still just be an O-line coach at the University of Texas, right? And with those guys he's brought in, you have to think that he's going to be here. You know, he intends to be here for for – for the foreseeable future. And that is that is another huge major, you know, feather in the hat for those players that chose to come here and play for him and have been developing under him. Um moving yeah. to the D line, like you said, um I think a big part of that was one, he gave up on, on the three down stuff. Okay. Texas still lacks that that big time edge rusher. But you mentioned you mentioned Keandre Coburn, Tevondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Alfred Collins. Well, what you've got from Texas, you got a bunch of First off, really big guys, but also you got depth on the interior of the defensive line and what pressure and people, anybody will tell you, any quarterback will tell you, okay, you can deal with an edge rusher, okay, if I can step up in a pocket. There are no quarterbacks, okay, there are no quarterbacks that exist that would tell you that they like pressure in their face coming from the middle, see what I'm saying? So when I got Coburn getting penetration, I got Sweat getting penetration, that now flushes me out to those guys like Sorrell and Ogufo. Okay, and they've been the beneficiaries of that interior defensive line pressure and those guys stepping their game up. So while, you know, obviously you credit Bo Davis with, with the development, just like you credit Kyle Flood with the O-lines development. At the same time, I think, you know, abandoning what they were trying to do when he first got there last year and just going back to a regular four-down front and letting those guys go instead of two-gapping, penetrate, I think that's that's the biggest difference. And, as simple as that may seem to us, you know, you coaches, you know, Pete Kwiatkowski was hired by Texas from Washington where he did this, right? This is what he knows. This is what he has success with. You know, it, it takes, it takes a man, you know, to swallow his pride too and, and, and adapt and change when I've had so much success doing something a certain way. So kudos go all around to everybody. But no, Jalen Ford has been, um, you know, we, you heard, you know, about fall camp, about how he, you know, he was the guy running with the ones inside all the time. That's allowed DeMar, DeMarvin Overshone to bump out and help with that edge rush, right? The last three weeks, we've seen uh, number three, Tucker Dorsey, playing a lot next to Ford, okay? And, and so, Texas has some, they, they figured out something that works for them as far as their defensive front, their defensive rotation. And, you know, all you really need at this point is for guys to continue to stay healthy. Um, I saw something, uh, Will, earlier this week, and it, I was like, man, this is crazy. There was one website, they got, it was a mock draft. They got Keandre Coburn going at the end of the first round. I saw <laughs> that's that. how strong of a start he's had. And you, I would have, I, I would have slapped somebody last year if they told me Keandre Coburn is going to be a first round pick after this year. I still think that's a little bit crazy, but no, yeah. it, it just, it just highlights how good he has been, how good those big guys up front has been. And, um, you know, just like, um, you know, you hear in basketball or football, hey, defense travels, you know, though. Big men in the trenches that that's going they're going to have their same impact no matter where you're at okay so Texas mm-hmm. is in good hands right now and they're helping keep guys like um like Ford and Cole clean and you know when the defense defensive front's getting pressure magically all of a sudden the secondary sure looks a whole lot better doesn't it because <laughs> yeah. the quarterback doesn't have all day to sit there and watch guys get open so you know it all ties in together man but I'm, I'm with you I'm seeing the same things we're seeing we're seeing the Texas Longhorns play some good football right now and people talk about that Texas Tech loss okay if you I don't know if y'all noticed. Joey McGuire, Tech, those guys are playing hard, okay? And they're leaving it all out there 60 minutes, 60 minutes plus. Tech's playing hard. That's not a People made fun of Texas losing to Texas Tech. Texas Tech's not a team to laugh at anymore. If you look at them, that program is changing, okay? So Texas lost to Alabama without their starting quarterback. They lost to Texas Tech without their starting quarterback. I hate to be one of these what-if guys, okay? And again, we're going to see how it plays out. Texas Longhorns have as good a shot as anybody, as anybody moving forward. But no, yeah. like you said about those guys, the development is all clear, big dog.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I mean, with the emergence of those guys, you your defense has been allowed to do two things or has been doing two things. The run defense has been night and day, right? Last year, you were allowing 5.15 yards per run and you had 72 tackles for loss. You're already at 45 tackles for loss Sheesh. halfway through the season. And you're allowing 3.36 yards per run. And that's with the one explosive run. From Jace McClellan. So that is a beautiful sign right there. The, yeah, the run defense is night and day. And you're not allowing explosive plays. Texas has only allowed 19 plays for 20 or more yards in the 448 plays they have had this season. That is unbelievable. And you know, a lot of that has just been the teams they played. Uh, but even. Uh, you know, and, and even Alabama was hurting at wide receiver, so they weren't able to take advantage of guys like Ryan Watts, who, you know, due to his frame, doesn't have the most fluid hips out there, but he makes up with it for with his physicality at the line.
1: Did but, he play yesterday? He did. So yeah. I even, it's a, it's a good thing if you don't notice, you know, the secondary. Right? I mean,
0: OU had 31 yards passing in the mm-hmm. first half with two interceptions and then eight more yards the rest of the game. Does,
1: but. Does, if you're Marvin Mills, do you uh, go ahead and just start preparing for the draft? How does that, you know? I probably would. Like, sheesh. uh
0: <laughs> Yeah, so I think there are a few things I can nitpick about the defense, though. I think they're weak over the middle uh, in zone. I think that's one place that Texas really struggles. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot has to do with having to have your linebackers have a lot of uh, responsibilities with the run run defense, but also have to drop back into coverage.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Asking your linebackers to do a lot. I think the defense struggles to get off the field at times. Right now they're 51 out of 122 on allowing conversions on money downs, third and fourth down. Mm-hmm. So 41%, which is just below average, hovering 75th. And uh they got a lot of pressures, not a lot of sacks. I think this all kind of meshes together into one problem. Cause I think we've seen that graph where Texas is pressures are he's they had like one hundred and forty-one pressures. But they've only hit the quarterback twenty three times, fourteen sacks. That means they're getting a pressure basically on one on every fourth play, but they're not getting to the quarterback.
1: That's crazy. And,
0: you know, dual threat quarterbacks have just been giving Texas fits, and that's what you <laughs> saw. All those three problems were the issues that you saw in the Texas Tech game, right? UTSA and UTSA exactly. So and Bama too. So that's a that's a problem Oklahoma could not take advantage of, but it's still a problem nonetheless. Uh, going forward, is Texas is having trouble with the dual threats. I mean, everybody has trouble with the dual threats, but Texas is allowing fourth and third down conversions, which killed them in Texas Tech. Just absolutely backbreakers. and allows for massive play differentials, which means your defense is gassed and your offense is not able to put up points. And then just, you're asking your team to do a lot. And that means that you're going to have weaknesses in zone. Uh, and teams are going to Eat that up. Right? There's a lot of there's Tay Barber coming up. There's guys Tay guys Barber? who can sit, guys who can you sit You mentioned in, Tay
1: Barber before Quentin Johnson.
0: Oh, I'm talking. Quentin Johnson takes the top off. I'm saying Qu, Tay Barber's a guy who is more a guy who will sit in zone, whereas Quentin Johnson will will take the top off.
1: Wait, wait. That's
0: the difference between Xavier Worthy, you. Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington. Does that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. We'll get to TCU. What scares me with TCU is a freaking quarterback, man.
0: Oh yeah, Max Duggan. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Talking about dual threat quarterbacks. <sighs> but you know, it's, I mean, actually, speaking of J- uh, of of Jordan Whittington and, and X, mm-hmm. I think another thing that the Texas Tech, Tech game showed is this team is still very fragile. Yes, they have a lot of talent. They have a ton of talent. I mean, what do you do, right? Uh, as a defense, when you're t- when you're looking at this team, but the loss of X, the loss of Jay Witt, the loss of Sanders and a few other guys could really bring a- this offense a lot of trouble. As we saw in the Texas Tech game where when they lost Xavier Worthy, the offense came to a stop because they couldn't take the top off anymore. And Tech was able to adjust to that very easily. Now,
1: how, how much was that worthy being out? And how much was that backup quarterback?
0: You know, we'll see. We'll see but I think that it's something to keep your eye on. Hopefully we won't. (laughs) I mean, yeah, Uh, but that is to say they still have some insane talent. I think Rod Babers brought up a good point in his post game show of saying Texas just has too many weapons for the defense to account for. Xavier worthy takes off the top. He deserves two guys on him at all time, right? Mm -hmm. That means that Sanders Needs to have a single guy on him. But it can't be a linebacker because Sanders will beat that guy. He's too fast. So he's too I We haven't even talked about so,
1: Sanders much. And he he might wind up, when he's done, you know. Winning
0: the Mackey Award.
1: being leaving campus yeah. as, as the best tight end in school history. You know, oh, yeah. remember we were bitching last year. Why isn't his ass playing defense? <laughs> you know, why isn't he helping with the pass rush? Um, but no, no, please continue. It's, it's weapons no. galore.
0: Yeah, so you can't have a linebacker on, on J.T. Sanders. He's too damn good. Four touchdowns in the past two games. Mm-hmm. Jordan Whittington, my lord, he had an insane game against OU. I mean, the passes he had, the blocks he's doing, he is an all-around threat in every single phase. He is dangerous in zone. he's dangerous in man, which means you need a man on him. He can beat man, too. And then, with all of that combined, you have to take on B. John Robinson and Roshon Johnson. Right. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: All of that. How in the world as a defensive coordinator, do you go into that and be like, I have to take care of this, 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 and this, and this when I'm facing Texas. Now imagine you have Isaiah Nayer in there. Imagine you have junior angle for run blocking. Imagine, but they didn't, and they didn't have Quinn Ewers for a while. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of these weren't taken advantage of as well as they could have been. You know, there's mis- misplays, mispasses. You know, Hudson Card, again, did a phenomenal job, but he missed some stuff. So what does this look like? What does this insane talent look like when you add in Quinn Ewers? Right. Let's get into the OU game. The offense. Again, OU is defense is not great this year. They're trying to do what Texas did last year and install a brand new system from the spring to the game with not their guys. Yeah. Texas nonetheless 7th offense in the nation in SP Plus top 10 offense top 15 top 20 defense the importance of Quinn Ewers though you, we talked a little bit about it just how deadly he is with the ball in his hand and honestly are we sure this kid isn't a serial killer does does he even enjoy football cuz i don't think I, I don't think i'm the only one who's noticed this but and everything I I see, everything I read, everything I hear, this kid is emotionless almost. He he throws a touchdown, and then he just turns to the sideline and walks away. He gets hit in the face, and he just gets up, stone face killer. He wears the freaking golden hat, and only has a smirk on his face. Like, who is this kid? Uh. You know, I, I he plays. And how Sark says, play with emotion, but don't be emotional. Mm -hmm. I don't think this kid has emotions. That kind of scares me.
1: When it it comes to the quarterback position, you want a guy that's cool under pressure, man. Um, Again, like I said earlier on in this podcast, we had to deal with the dude in high school. And and we're throwing everything at him. We're heating him up. Well, he's dropping dime after dime after dime. Does not scramble one time. You know, just slide to the right. Put this ball on the money over here to the tight end. Slide to my left. Throw this crosser across my body down the middle of the field. Like you're not supposed to, but he can because God gave him that. Um, He's just he he strikes me as a young man that's in control, and you know he understands you know what he has in his tool bag, and he understands that um you know no matter what happens on this football field, what I got in my bag, okay, it's going. We talk about that defensive line traveling. what I got on my attached to my right shoulder is going to travel. Okay. You can't teach that. And it's just, it's fun to, to be on the side that, that has that talent. And, um, you know, I, I, like I said earlier, man, I, the sky is the limit. Um, you have permission to dream big. I'm not saying Texas is going to go undefeated the rest of this year. I'm not saying Texas is going to go undefeated next year, but I'm saying it's, None of that stuff is off of the table, and we have not been able to say this for such a long time.
0: Yeah, I think I, I this probably is because I'm a Cardinals fan, RIP, and Albert Pujols hit 700 this year, but you no, know, Albert Pujols, the machine. This kid, Quinn yours, a machine. I don't think I've ever seen a clean a passer as Ewers since Colt McCoy. And even I don't know if Colt McCoy is that clean of a passer. Nah,
1: yeah, he don't have I, an arm like that.
0: No, I, I don't. <laughs> I've I've read the word layer. He layers the ball in a bunch of analysis, a bunch of post game, a bunch of people I just talked to. He layers in the ball, and I don't know if I've ever heard that before, but it makes sense. His ability to place the ball in the perfect spot with the right amount of touch and on the move, like you were talking about, mm-hmm. is NFL worthy. No, and it's like it's like the man is a dessert chef, ever so gently layering on the final touches. Yeah. With but it's football, just the way he tosses the ball, right? Okay. It's it, it's it's almost like he's shooting a basketball. I just I
1: haven't seen. I don't think you can teach the understanding of on any given play, any given route, based on what's going on, what type of ball has to be thrown. I don't think you can teach mm-hmm. that. I don't think you can. And, he, and made, he made one mistake, and it was trying to throw the ball away. He didn't put enough on it. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't – again, what he has – Kyler Murray was a different player. Um, little guy, but I watched him drop down, but he was a runner. What he made him special was that running ability. He has as special love an arm as I have ever seen.
0: Mm-hmm. The ability of Quinn Ewers added into the weapons that Texas has. Mm-hmm. And the pass protection that Texas has found themselves to have this year. Mm -hmm. And just again, yours sense of timing and placement is not, not, not where he can place it. His understanding to know where to place the ball and when to place the ball, where, you know, let me step back a bit. College, you'll see a bunch of guys who will throw to a player in the NFL. You were supposed to throw to a spot on the field. Give it a play because you're supposed to assume these players you're playing with are so good that they're going to be automatic. That's where the point is. So you're taught to, with time, with a certain level, a certain touch, to throw to a spot. And that is what Quinn Ewers has brought to ability to JT Sanders, who will just muscle guys, or Xavier Worthy, who I honestly. Whenever I watch Xavier Worthy run a route, I don't know how he gets open so damn fast. But he just does. It's like he is covered by two guys one second. The next second, he's past them.
1: I don't get it. I can I mean, Worthy Worthy gets up to full speed really quickly. And even he understands how to change speeds as a, as a true sophomore. But also, you talk about all these weapons, what we can't lose. And then again, is Texas happens to have the head coach, the play caller that understands exactly how he wants to use these weapons. And that all it all ties in together to make oh, the perfect recipe, man.
0: The plays that he puts together are not only well timed, but they are creative, and they get the ball to the players who need the ball in their hands. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's misusing a single player on that offense. I, I don't can don't know if I could say that about most of the offenses in the past. Right, I've always had some sort of like, oh, they didn't use Marquise Goodwin enough or whatever.
1: <laughs> DJ Monroe. DJ Monroe. uh, Dajay Johnson. Oh, my God. Jermichael Finley.
0: And what was his name? 2015. Caught the touchdown.
1: 2015. Caught the touchdown. Against who? Uh,
0: Against Oklahoma.
1: Uh, Marcus Johnson.
0: Marcus Johnson. Oh, my God. Did not use Marcus Johnson at all. Just, I don't think I've seen that with Steve Sarkeesian, where he has misused or hasn't used a player enough. Right. And his game plans have been phenomenal. To go in, you know, maybe in the second half, second half adjustments have been great. But I think Quinn Ewers is good enough to, if not improve, but erase that at times. On top of everything we talked to the first half of the show, Quinn Ewers has just brought this offense up to another level no where question. they were already top 10. They are now the top five offense. No question. And the defense. Again, caveat. Oh, you couldn't do anything on offense. They're quarterback was so bad that the coach was like mm, we're gonna use a tight end <laughs> but defense the game plan was solid the adjustments were solid and defense was just solid oh you try to gash them with the run and did so a few times however the defense just lined up boat up and dropped them
1: because yeah, one of the knocks against sark you know i've i've, I've brought it up myself is you know his re- his track record suggests, you know, if, if he's not leading at halftime, you're not going to win the game, and that means you're not making adjustments. Well, you just spoke about an adjustment right there, but also it's, it's easy to make adjustments when you've got a when you've got the right person under center. <laughs> we all yep. we all look like better coaches all of a sudden when we got really good players.
0: <laughs> yeah. Any any thoughts on the defense in this game? I mean, we talked a lot about the defense. I don't think there's much more. I mean, the defense was just. I mean,
1: I'll, I'll leave it at this. Sound?
0: Hey. They 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 didn't get tricked by trick plays, nah. except for that one fake field goal. And even then, the Marvin Overstone's awareness to stop that was incredible. Right. But I don't know defense.
1: Nah. I, I, short and sweet. Defensively, they did what you're supposed to do when you face a team. You know, in a, in a situation like that, they don't have a quarterback. You know, you you shut their ass out. They did what they're supposed to do. I don't know what more we can ask for, um, as people that keep up with the program.
0: I mean, it's it was a thorough ass whipping.
1: Thorough. They could have named their score. They could have. They could have won that game seventy to nothing if they wanted to. Maybe oh, more yeah. than that.
0: But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here, because I mean, beating OU forty nine to zero is something to be praised forever. Something to rub in their face forever. They freaking whooped our most hated rival. I mean, but still. I think I saw on Reddit someone say that OU sucks is usually a rivalry thing, but that this year it could go a little bit further because they actually do suck. They could be a bottom-tier team in this conference. Right? They lost Dylan Gabriel, they have depth issues on defense, play calling was atrocious. I mean, did they really think they're going to win running the wildcat the entire game? And they've now lost 3 games straight by 30 points or more. Texas's second half of the schedule is not going to be Funnily enough, as easy as the first half of the schedule, as first half of the schedule featuring Bama, yeah, Iowa State, you're starting off with, and that's they're reeling right now. Then you get a buy.
1: Hold on, let's go back. Let's go back real quick. I don't, I don't know if we can necessarily say Iowa State's reeling, right? Um, Iowa State's three and three. They're zero three in Big Twelve play, right? But their three losses have come by combined eleven points. Okay, and maybe it's battered Texas fan syndrome. Okay, Will. I'm not about to go into this Iowa State game thinking Texas is about to just roll, despite everything we've just said, but everything we've just talked about. Iowa State's lost three games by a combined 11 points. All right. They don't have a mobile, per se, quarterback, but what they do have is a damn good defense. Okay. Damn good front seven. We're about to see about this offensive line. Okay. They have a running game. Okay. They have a receiver that's leading the conference in receiving. That record can fool you, all right. So just, just, just—I just, just want to throw that in there.
0: <laughs> True, but they are no match for the five games after the bye week of at Oklahoma State in Stillwater, at Kansas State in Manhattan.
1: Those two games are gonna suck.
0: TCU, it's gonna suck. At at Kansas, which is no walk in the damn park this year. That game's gonna suck. And Baylor to end it off. That game always sucks. You don't get a break. For five games straight, five weeks straight, that is a crazy end of the schedule that you weren't expecting to be so crazy.
1: I mean, looking at that, because all five of those teams are probably going to be ranked, right? That Mm -hmm. shit real reads to me like maybe the Big 12 didn't need to break up. Maybe the Big 12 is a lot stronger than people gave it credit for. Anyway, this is another conversation for another time. Go ahead. I,
0: I, I understand. But what does Texas need to improve or keep doing to get to the Big 12 championship? through this gauntlet
1: we're about to find out again how how good the offensive line is okay because iowa state's about to bring in a, a a veteran front seven oklahoma state always has a good pass rush you know kansas state's gonna be physical in the trenches let's just focus on the first three games texas is more talented than iowa state like every other school in this conference iowa state has a hard-on for the university of texas they're gonna bring it they're gonna they're gonna play their best. I think you have to obviously number one keep number three clean, keep them healthy. Other than that, well, I just I don't know I don't know necessarily that anything else has to be better or or anything special has to be done. Keep number three healthy. Keep doing what you're doing. And again, um, Oklahoma State's gonna be a problem. That's a mobile quarterback. Kansas State that's a mobile quarterback. TCU that's a mobile quarterback. Mm-hmm. Okay, but we're, we're about to – there are some things we still have to learn about this offense Kansas. as far as the Kansas offensive the line. Kansas is quarterback. Yeah, and Kansas is going to play physical football. Um, but we still have things to learn about this offensive line. We still have things to learn about this defense and how good they really are, and, mm-hmm. and we're about to find out. Um, it's going to be a physical football game against Iowa State. The great news is they have a bye week to to, to get folks patched up, to work on some special things they want to have to head into Stillwater for what's sure to be a prime time. Uh, night game with the Cowboys, depending on you know whether or not they beat TCU this upcoming week. You no, know, we still have some questions, and and they're going to get answered in these coming weeks. I wish I knew exactly you know what I felt like you know Texas need to do to win these games in particular. Um, but what, you're going to get answers about this team, and I think if you come out of coming out of <sighs> coming out of Oklahoma State, we'll have every answer we need for the rest of the season on on if this team is good enough to do what set out to do um, heading into this year.
0: I think that's a fair assessment. Usually Oklahoma State is a good barometer of what the ceiling is in a a current year, Mm -hmm. right? I, I think that's a good barometer. But one of the things that I think is a major question for the Longhorns is when they get tested in the passing game, how do they respond? Because I don't think Texas has really been tested so far this year. And the few times they have been tested, it's been sort of, you know, it's been UTSA and Ryan Watts looking looking a little bit lost, right? Yeah. I don't think Texas has faced a very good wide receiver core this year so far. I mean, Oklahoma probably the best with Marvin Mims and Drake Stoops, but even then, Theo Weiss.
1: U- UTSA's receiving core is pretty damn good. Those those they're three pretty, guys, those good. three guys are going to be in NFL camps.
0: Are they Quentin Johnston?
1: No, they don't have a Quentin Johnston. But you still have. No, are they?
0: Are they Xavier Hutchinson?
1: I, I think you're talking. I think you're talking – no, Quentin Johnson's a potential first-round draft pick. No, they don't have a first-round no. draft pick, no.
0: No. You know, yeah, again, it, is, it, is it Quentin Johnson? Is it Xavier Hutchinson? I mean, Texas is about to go up against some very good wide receiver cores with some very good quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I don't think Bama's wide receiver core is what they are used to, or at least the past few years, with Steve Sarkeesian, right? That's, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that Texas destroyed OU, they did it without Dylan Gabriel – behind the line, and so Marvin Mims... The imp
1: would have been destroyed. The imp would have been destroyed, too. The OES is a bust.
0: But, I mean, you know, you didn't get tested at all, right? right? By by guys like Marvin Mims. So, Texas, again, has not... Back to my point. Texas hasn't been tested. I'm interested to see whether or not the fact that they've been able to hold these explosive plays keeps up, and especially the ones where they're struggling with the weak zone over the middle. We'll see. We'll see. I think there's a lot of questions around that defense. And, you know, I, I hope they're answered in the positive.
1: Let's find out. But again, we're, they're as prepared, you know, to go on the battle as, as they've been in a long time.
0: Right. So, Darius, what are you going to be happy with this season? Now that you're four and two halfway through the season, mm-hmm. what is a acceptable end of season record?
1: Uh eleven and two CFP playoff appearance, baby. <laughs> they understand you lost by one to Bama. All right, and you yeah. lost to Tech in overtime without your starting quarterback. You're baby. Right. That, that isn't a College football playoff or bust. College football playoff or bust. No, uh seriously. That would be great. But seriously, you you just mentioned I, I think we'll I think they will beat Iowa State. But you got five ranked opponents to end the season. Three of those games on the road. You are the biggest game coming into town. I, 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 at some point, it, you're going to get everybody's best shot. I, I expect them to slip up. Will in one of those games. You no, know, just 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 you know, just human nature. Okay, at Oklahoma State, that's going to be the biggest game in the state. At Kansas State, they're going to shut down the state. At Kansas, they're going to shut down the state and pack that thing for Texas. TCU is going to come into Austin and give you everything they got. I think they'll beat Baylor, okay? But um, one of those three games, one of those – I don't think Texas is going to lose to Kansas this year. Let me be clear about that. It's been too much talk about Kansas. But out of Oklahoma State on the road, Kansas State on the road, TCU at home. I think one of those games will get dropped, which one I cannot tell you, but I I do think it will come down to a field goal or something like that. I think just natural growing pains, um, trajectory where the program is going, you're going to lose one game, you know, left. So I think realistically – um, Texas is four and two right now. I think realistically, looking at nine and three, is is what I would leave as a as a as a as a acceptable finish to the regular season. Um, you get the double digits with a with a um with a bowl game win.
0: I think eight and four would be good for me. I, I'm interested to see how they deal with Iowa State, a hangover coming off of this game, and I guess I could see two more losses coming down. The pipeline here. I could definitely see them dropping Oklahoma State, Kansas State, TCU, Baylor, Kansas. I could see them dropping any one of those games. And then one inexplicable one inexplicable game that gets away from them. Just because of either you know immaturity or something along those lines. But I could definitely see 8 wins, 9 wins. In fact, I do this little FPI, FPI uh, percentage thing every week. And right now it's saying Texas 35% chance at nine, nine wins, 31% chance at eight wins. Uh, there's a 4% chance at six wins, but hopefully it doesn't get there. Uh, <laughs> so apparently that's, that's your floor right there, is six wins going forward. Your ceiling 10 wins, right? Obviously winning out Right. anywhere between eight and nine wins. I think is a good, is a good, acceptable and reasonable expectation for Texas to have the rest of the season.
1: You know, you can live with that. You can live with that. Springboard yeah. into what's supposed to be the year next year in 2023.
0: Yeah, which I mean, I'm interested in seeing because you're losing a lot on defense. But yes, yes, we'll get into that when we get into that. But that's not this week. We'll hopefully do something before the end of the season, the next half. But I think for now we're going to head off there. That has been fourth and five. Your Longhorn Nation podcast. Thank y'all for listening, uh, Darius. Where can we find you?
1: And y'all can always find me on Twitter. Um, what is my Twitter name, real quick? Dog. Coach DT. Uh, no, it's not. It's a uh, no. Yeah, oh, you I think you're it? right. Hold on, God dog. Where's my phone at? Let's see. <laughs> oh yeah, Coach DT underscore TFB. You can also find me go. on the Football Brainiacs Texas Texas side as well. Love to engage with you all, um, interact with you all. Always looking forward to stuff like that.
0: Yeah, for real. You guys can find me, your host Will Bazer, on Twitter at W-I-L-L-B-A-I-Z-E-R. That's my name. You guys can find me on Reddit at On A Computer. You guys can find me scrolling around on the Football Brain Access early. I'm all over the place. So, please, y'all go ahead and subscribe. Give the show five stars. Rate, like, and subscribe. Ring that bell. Do everything you need to. I really do appreciate it. Let us know what you think. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time when we see you. Thank y'all for listening. Welcome.
1: Welcome.